Hey, good afternoon. Good morning, everybody. No matter where you are in this beautiful country, it is the Rebel News Daily Roundup, and it is normally hosted by my friend David Menzies and a rotating cast of characters, but everybody is all working hard out in the field or on standby to be out in the field because there's more news happening than ever. And guess who works from her home office? Me. (laughs) I'm hosting the show alone today, so bear with me as I try to... um, fill space and hopefully you don't get as sick of listening to me talk as I do. Uh, But this is uh, wherein we talk about the important news of the day, completely unscripted and sometimes often as it happens. And it gives you a chance to interact with us, or in this case, there's no us, it's just me today. Um, And the way that you would do that is through uh, a paid chat on one of the platforms upon which we're streaming. So on Rumble, it's called a Rumble Rant. On Odyssey, it's called a Hyper Chat. Uh, Drop one of those in the chat. Uh, We set a $5 US minimum for the requirement for us to read it on air, but very frequently, and I bet you, especially today, um, we'll read them if you, you fall below that uh, $5 minimum. It, we appreciate every little bit. It, it helps us maintain our independence when you support us, um, because unlike our, I was going to say colleagues, but I would frenemies in the mainstream media will never take a penny from Justin Trudeau to do the work that we do here at Rebel News. And might I suggest if you're still watching us on YouTube, thank you for hanging in there. Um, And uh, I guess still watching us on that censorship platform, but you cannot leave us a paid chat on YouTube. They've completely demonetized us. So if you want to support us, might I suggest you migrate over to one of those other platforms, uh, Rumble or Odyssey. So that's um, all that. That's the nuts and bolts out of the day. Let's get to the news because there's just so much. Um, And so many places getting the news completely wrong. Rushing to believe the terrorists and condemning Israel. Uh, We saw it over and over again yesterday, both um, from, from the mainstream media, but also from politicians. So yesterday there was a bombing. Uh, it was a missile strike, actually, um, in a hospital in Gaza City. And right away, as I write in this piece, not one to let facts get in the way of a chance to condemn Israel, Trudeau denounced uh, Israel as the culprit, culprit behind the attack on the hospital. Um, but the problem with all of this was that it was, uh, sounds like it was Islamic Jihad who launched a missile strike. The missile strike was supposed to hit Israel. It fell short and hit a hospital in Gaza. Um, And there's pretty strong evidence that that is the case. Uh, I should point out that I think it was last week, uh, Hamas terrorists bombed the daylights out of an Israeli hospital and nobody seemed to care. Um, But when there was a chance to accuse Israel of it, of doing the same, and then denounce Israel as a violator of international law because it is illegal to target a hospital um, during a war. Everybody rushed to judgment. They tripped over themselves to do it. Now, Justin Trudeau didn't directly, I should point that out, he didn't directly accuse Israel of doing it. What he said is, this is a violation of uh, of international law. We'll show this clip in a second. And he said it was an attack, which means that it was intentionally done as opposed to the accidental failings of Islamic Jihad, it sounds like. Now, some people are saying it could be Hamas. Sounds like Hamas wants to take credit for it. And Islamic Jihad is saying it. And there's some pretty strong evidence that it was Islamic Jihad. But the missile strike came from within the Gaza Strip and it fell short. Um, and hit this hospital. And again, initial reports also said 300 people were injured or killed, and then 500 people were injured and killed uh, because you want to maximize the carnage that you can attribute to the state of Israel. But now that number looks like it's closer to 20 now that it's oh ac- an accidental uh, missile strike on behalf of Islamic Jihad. So let's show the clip from Trudeau, and then let's go into um, what reality really is. The uh, news coming out of, uh, of Gaza is uh, horrific and absolutely unacceptable. Um, 
international humanitarian and, and international law needs to be respected uh, in, in this and in all cases. There are rules around wars and it's not acceptable. Is the hospital body There are rules around war, um, which is a, a, a condemnation of Israel without saying Israel, because he's saying that this was an intentional attack done on uh, done by Israel against Gazan civilians. And that just isn't the case because, oh, and I should point out also, Justin Trudeau is not a lonely idiot on this issue. Uh, I see one of his cabinet ministers, Champagne, this morning. He also said, you know, like we condemn this attack. It wasn't an attack, it was a mistaken strike by inept terrorists out of Gaza. Uh, I also saw that Jagmeet Singh, it was in that article too, he denounced this attack. Um, again, yeah, so bombing a hospital is a violation of international law. There must be a ceasefire now. It wasn't Israel. <laughs> they didn't bomb the hospital. It was, it sounds like Islamic Jihad. We've got um, a video of the IDF releasing a recording of an intercepted phone call between two Hamas operatives who discussed the failed Islamic Jihad rocket that landed on the Gaza hospital. Let's uh, Let's go to that. سبحان الله من عنا مرجاج غيرين بجد خليل. نعم. هذا اللي متفجر من المقدر الورد بثلاث حط محطين. إيه. بتلاقيهم طالعين من المقبرة الورا المستشفى المعمداني دي باللي هو خفته ونزل عندهم. هو في مقبرة ورا. ها المعمداني ولا كعند الساحة بالضبط. هي وين لما تدخل على الساحة؟ أول ما تدخل على الساحة تدخلش على البلد عيدك اليمين في مستشفى المعمداني. Oh, yeah. Huh. Well, <laughs> well, wouldn't you know it? Uh, the terrorists are acknowledging that it's them. Um, and this is an intercepted phone call. So this is probably as close to the truth as you can get that it was Islamic Jihad. Um, and even, you know, I don't want to say that Joe Biden is more... Um, I, appropriate, which is strange for a kid sniffer for me to say that, but more appropriate in waiting for the details to come out before he rushes to judgment. But I think Joe Biden got this one right. And, you know, like, uh, I guess the entire liberal caucus and most of mainstream media got it wrong. I saw a lot of quiet editing of headlines. I think that if you guys, well, we go to um, this Biden video if you want to dig up, I think there was a, it was the New York Times that quietly edited their headline like several times <laughs> as the news came out because they literally believe the terrorists first over Israel. So anyways, Joe Biden, I got to give him credit. The old coot got this one right. I was deeply saddened and outraged by the uh, explosion at the hospital in Gaza yesterday. And based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, not, not you. But there's a lot of people out there not sure. So we got a lot of, we got to overcome a lot of things. Huh. Joe Biden got it right, but then also he's kind of getting it wrong. So let's go to the next thing. Um, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be giving doing humanitarian aid for the Palestinians in Gaza. They're going to need it. Their infrastructure. I mean, they get millions of dollars a year in in humanitarian aid, and literally none of it goes to infrastructure. It all goes to terrorism. How do I know none of it goes to infrastructure? Because the Israelis have been providing food, water, and electricity to Gaza since always. And so where's all that money going? Well, it's going to terrorism, and we know that. Um, it's why Stephen Harper caught up, cut off funding to the UN Palestinian Aid Agency, UNRWA, and Justin Trudeau returned it is because 
it was very clear that none of the money was going where it was meant to go and it was funding terrorism. And, you know, you had this, it was also part of what they call pay for slay. You see, you don't build up the uh, economy in Gaza if you are Hamas leadership looking for a steady supply of people willing to commit uh, terrorism and uh, suicide attacks. You want to keep the economy depressed and the people desperate so that the only way to provide for your family is to commit terrorism. And then your family becomes the recipient of what's called pay for slay. So if you kill an Israeli and preferably an, an IDF member, the Hamas government will pay your family and they'll pay your family even more if you die in that attack. So it incentivizes the murder of Israelis by depressing the Gazan economy and never building it up because you need people desperate so that the only way that they can provide for their family is to do the thing that they want you to do and that's kill Israelis. So some of that money that was being designated as aid with no strings attached was funding the murder of Israelis. And Biden, much like Justin Trudeau, says that he knows for sure if he returns money to these uh, Hamas terrorists, that it's definitely going to go to milk and school books and pencils and desks and not the thing it's always gone to. And that's terror and killing Israelis. $100 million in new U.S. funding for humanitarian assistance in both Gaza and the West Bank. This money will support more than 1 million displaced and conflict-affected Palestinians, including emergency needs in Gaza. Okay. Does anybody else wonder, okay, so how do we know where this money is going to go? Is it going to go where it's always gone? Sounds like it. <laughs> Why wouldn't it? Um I don't know why they're giving money to displaced people in the West Bank. You mean Judea and Samaria? I just came back from there. I'm not sure they need humanitarian aid. It's fine. It's fine. Um, in fact, there's there was uh, a tense piece there where uh, there were these areas where people who live in Palestinian towns and people who live in Israeli towns were working in the same factories. Um, because you, you earn more money when you work in an Israeli factory than you would if you worked in a Palestinian-owned factory. The, just the cost of, uh, the, like the wages are higher. And I, I don't know how much of that will continue to go on thanks to the uh, terrorists in Gaza. Um, uh, and in all of this, nobody who claims to be concerned about Gazan civilians are wondering what's Egypt doing? <laughs> like the Israelis have said for several days now, and they've been text messaging it directly to Gazan phone numbers um, and broadcasting it as best they can for civilians in Gaza to go south because they are going to start an incursion from the north. And so to go south to safety. Now, the reason they're saying go south is that's the border with Egypt. They're Muslim brothers on the other side. But wouldn't you know it? Uh, Egypt has a stronger, I think, security barrier than even the Israelis do to keep the Gazans from bringing their Hamas-infected terror into Egypt. I think I think it's 20 meters down into the ground the border fence goes between Egypt and Gaza. And so while everybody is saying, Israelis, why aren't you helping the civilians of Gaza? They have been for since forever with electricity, food and, and water and warnings. Um, and I think the best way to help a, a civilian in Gaza is to rid them of their Hamas government. But why? where's Egypt in all of this? Why isn't Egypt opening the borders to take in refugees? Why haven't they taken in a single... Palestinian refugee sure makes you wonder. And uh, let's just finish up on this uh, President Biden clip. Um, acknowledging the civilians on the Gaza side. Oh, it's just a tweet. Okay, even better. Uh, Pre President Bi Biden's tweet. 
let me make myself clear. The vast majority of Palestinians are not Hamas. Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. Well, part of that is true and part of that isn't. Um, Hamas was elected by the Palestinian people. They are the government there and a lot of people are sympathetic to it. Um, and a lot of people, I mean, Gaza is has a young population, much like Israel. It's an incredibly young part of the world. Um, but a lot of people have grown up with Hamas being the only government they know and and they're taught in the schools um, about killing Jews and and how Israel doesn't even exist. And so there has been a substantial amount of brainwashing of a very young population. And so that is a real concern. Um, so yes, there are innocent civilians, but we, we should be wary of a population that has seen a substantial cultural effort to brainwash them against the Israelis. Um, so that's the global part of this. The mainstream media and politicians rushed to blame Israel for something that terrorists in Gaza did, whether it be Hamas or Islamic Jihad. The moral of the story is it wasn't Israel um, with a purposeful bombing of a hospital. The bombing of the hospital on purpose actually happened to Israel. And I bet you didn't even know about that. Um, and Joe Biden being smarter than Justin Trudeau. <laughs> Who knew? Um, but let's move ahead to the Israel-Hamas conflict spilling over into Canada. Um, let's go to uh, let's go to this story. Tories blocked from summoning CBC execs over the network's refusal to label Hamas as terrorists. Um, this is in the National Post. So. We saw that leaked, oh, okay. We saw that leaked uh, email from, uh, I think it was the head of editorial from uh, CBC. So like the Sheila over at the CBC, who's sort of responsible for the tone and how we talk about things, um, saying that we are not ever going to refer to Hamas as terrorists because that's a politically charged word we're only ever going to refer to them as militants. And I saw this myself manifesting in uh, something I did to myself. So you didn't have to. I read CBC Kids and they did a big explainer on uh, what Hamas is and what militants are. They were not ever going to refer to them as terrorists. And so the Tories in the House of Commons, they want to uh, find out how this happened. Was this a directive from the federal government? Who is doing this? Who can we hold responsible for this? Because this terrorism, which it was, was the single largest act of terrorism against Israelis since the Holocaust. They've described it as 10 9-11s when you scale up to per capita numbers. And they wanted to summon the CBC executives who should be accountable since they are a federal agency taking in some nearly $1.4 billion in direct subsidies every year. And it was blocked by the Liberals, the Bloc Québécois, and the NDP. So uh, Melissa Lanzman is the deputy leader of the Conservative Party. She was once accused of standing with Nazis by the Liberals who subsequently applauded a Nazi. Um, she put forward a motion to the Parliamentary Committee on Public Accounts asking it to denounce the position of the public broadcaster. So by that, she means this company directive to only use the word militants and never terrorists. And to call various CBC executives to appear in front of the committee for a minimum of two hours each. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? She wanted to call a CBC president and CEO, Catherine Tate. I guess Catherine Tate would have to catch a flight from New York where she lives. Lady CanCon herself. English Services Ombudsman Jack Nagler and Director of Journalistic Standards George Achi. So he's the Sheila over there. He would have been called to testify to say, like, why did you come up with this? Is just this just your political position because you're the public broadcaster? You're supposed to represent the public. Or did you maybe get a phone call from the Liberal Party? Um or the prime minister's office saying, this is what you guys are going to do. And yet the liberals and their enablers in the NDP and the bloc blocked 
this accountability because I, I'm not sure because because they, I guess they all feel the same way maybe about Hamas terrorists that they aren't actually terrorists they're just militants engaged in a, a struggle for freedom by butchering Israeli babies. Um, let's go to this one. Uh, Blacklocks, please. Genocide claims upset MPs. MPs demanded an explanation, as Blacklocks writes, after new Democrat leader Jagmeet Singh said, quote, the seeds of genocide were being sown in Gaza by Israeli defense forces. Legislature, legislators included Jewish MPs expressing alarm over Singh's remark. Resist the call for revenge, Singh told the Commons in an evening debate on overseas events. Surely we must demand the same of the Israeli government. Isn't that funny? Um, you cannot strike back against the people who butchered your civilians and who continue to hold your civilians hostage because that would be revenge instead of uh, a righteous act of self-defense. You know, I, I was listening to um, a podcast the other day and the person pointed out that the British and the American forces did not concern themselves with the civilians of Dresden when they were firebombing it, or for that matter, Tokyo. They, they did that because they were concerned about the civilians of London and New York and Hawaii. Um, the civilian casualties on the side of the aggressor are the responsibility of the, the aggressor. Quit starting worse and someone else won't have to finish them. Anyways, let's keep going. Oh, and we must have a ceasefire. We must like we must have a ceasefire. Not not like before when there was a ceasefire, when there was nothing really popping off. Um anyways, Canada must call for a ceasefire to end the killing of innocent civilians in Gaza immediately. Said Singh, we cannot allow for the continuing dehumanization of an entire population. When we stop seeing each other as human, when we stop believing each life has value, this is when the seeds of genocide take hold. And then MPs press Singh to explain his remark. Yes or no, do you believe Israel is committing or is about to commit genocide? Asked Liberal MP Anthony Housefather. I understand there are very real emotions. Okay, so he, he didn't answer. Like you, oh, anyways these guys. Perhaps I misunderstood him, but it sounds to me that he was suggesting Israel is committing or on the verge of committing genocide, said Liberal MP Ben Carr. The definition of genocide has a particular important adjective, deliberate, said Carr. Ben Carr, in case I said Jim Carr. Jim, there used to be an MP named Jim Carr. Uh, I'm going to ask him one more time if he believes this is a serious matter that Israel is committing or is about to commit genocide. Ask Conservative MP Melissa Lansman. We know there are innocent people in Gaza, replied Singh. So he says it, and then he cannot actually stick to it uh, when pressed on it. He just thought people were just going to let him say it, because why not? Everybody's lying. Why can't he? Um, and this is when there were at least eight Canadians killed by uh, Hamas terrorists already. And yet he continues to just say these things. Um, let's move ahead. Uh, Canadian ex-wife of Isis Beadle. Isis Beadle. Uh, speaks for the first time about her. Oh, I remember this one. I read this earlier today and I was like, oh. Okay. Okay, lady. Uh, Canadian ex-wife of Isis Beadle. Dure? Ahmed, I'm probably saying that wrong. However, I'm not sure I care. Uh, speaks out for the first time about her marriage to savage terrorist husband El Shafi El Sheikh and living in Syria. I was just a dumb girl in love. Haven't we all done things for love? 
like join a genocidal Islamic state that raped and murdered its way through the Nineveh plane? Be taking Christian girls as uh, sex slaves, killing their fathers and brothers and brutally beating and enslaving their mothers. Haven't, haven't we all done that for love? Just, you know, when it takes hold and you just find yourself doing crazy things. And let's uh, keep reading this. She moved from Canada to join her then husband, someone we're describing as the ISIS beetle for some reason in 2014. El Sheikh is serving now her husband. Eight life sentences in a U.S. supermax prison for his role in the kidnap, torture, and beheading of ISIS hostages. He used to be under the prison for the next eight life sentences. I wish that this man was immortal so that we could just keep him in prison forever for what he did. How's that for vengeance, Jagmeet Singh? I saw what the ISIS genocide looked like firsthand. I talked to the survivors of it. Uh, for this woman to say she just did it just for love, just because the heart wants what the heart wants, get bent, lady. Don't minimize your role in offering care and comfort to genocide heirs um, as just, just a, a flight of the heart, don't you know? Ahmed was repatriated to Canada and claimed she was never radicalized. You don't move to Syria and join ISIS as an ISIS bride and say, oh, I'm, don't worry about me. I'm over it. That's what she wants us to believe. She said she was oblivious to her terrorist ex-husband's role in the kidnapping, torture, and beheading of Western hostages when she moved to Syria to join him. She was just a dumb girl in love when she left Canada. She had no idea what was going on. No idea that ISIS was just pillaging its way across the Nineveh plain, uh, exterminating or doing their best to exterminate the oldest continuous Christian population on the face of the earth, where they still say their, excuse me, mass in the language of Christ in Aramaic. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. She made the claims in a new interview with the BBC and the CBC. Of course, the CBC tries to humanize this broad to try to highlight the plight of the women and children of suspected ISIS fighters stuck in Syrian camps. Okay, uh, I'm willing to hear arguments about the children, but these women who left the Western world to be the, the comfort to, so that ISIS fighters can rest their weary heads in their soft, warm bosom every night after they've tortured and beheaded Westerners or otherwise. I can't even imagine the atrocities this man has committed against innocent people. And she's like, you know, I was just, I'm just a girl in love. Just so, you know what you do when you're losing your mind over love? You go get a tattoo that says like, true love forever with your like paramours name in the heart you know like sheila plus joey forever i, I never dated a joey so i can say that <laughs> but you go get that on your rib cage or something you don't travel to syria against canadian law and make yourself an isis bride you were radicalized. You are a danger. You should be in a whole world of trouble and no one should ever listen to you again. You're an awful, awful human being. Because if I if I believed that she had had like, to use the term, a come to Jesus moment, if she had truly renounced her terroristic ways and realized that she made a mistake, she would be admitting to all of them. There has to be truth before the reconciliation, right? Like, that's why I go to confession. I have to lay bare my sins before the Lord um, before I'm forgiven. She's not doing any of that. She's like, that that's, wasn't me. I'm fine. If she had said, I did all these bad things. It was horrific. I was radicalized. I'm no longer radicalized now. Oh, I'm not sure I would trust her, but at least... I, you know, it would be a little bit different than I totally wasn't rad radicalized. I did it all for love. I just, I was just a flighty girl. What? She's a monster. She's a monster downplaying her actions in all of this. Let's move ahead. 
I've had enough of that lady. Let's go to uh, CTV News, please. Canada is a beacon for others, but must keep its promises. UN Human Rights Chief condemns us. The United Nations Human Rights Chief says Canada can boost its chances of joining the council that monitors freedom around the world by better following up the pledges it makes at home and abroad. Okay, I'm interested to see what he thinks are the things we're falling short on as far as human rights goes, because I bet what I think we're falling short on and what he thinks we're falling short on are two vastly different things, right? Uh, Turk visited Canada this week to touch base on human rights issues in general, including how they handle how they're handled in Canada and how Ottawa can best address issues abroad. Um, we apparently want to join the Human Rights Council for some reason for a term of two years ending in 2030. Um, so we can sit there and be buddy buddy with the world's worst human rights abusers. That's who they continue to appoint to this panel, like Saudi Arabia, like China. I wonder if North Korea is on it. Anyways. That body will undertake an in-depth review of the human rights situation in Canada next month. Um, let's see. Ah, for example, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission on Residential Schools uh, presented 94 calls to action to rectify what it called cultural genocide in June 2015, but it took the Liberals seven years to table legislation to create an official body to monitor the progress on those terms. Um, He also said Canada would benefit in seeing the current debate around affordability as a human rights issue. Uh, there's a human right to adequate housing. Okay, but he's not going to like my solution to that. <laughs> my solution is our immigration levels are too high. I'm not anti-immigrant. I think we have to pump the brakes because we don't have enough houses for everybody that's here and it's causing a supply and demand affordability housing. Um, but the human rights, they're very open. Human rights, UN, uh, they're very open borders. And so they can't, they will not apply basic economic principles to affordability issues. So anyways, Canada is seen as a leader in pushing back against gender inequality. And anyways, he doesn't even make mention of uh, the right to peaceful protesters being infringed upon and the fact that we have a woman on trial named Tamara Leach and her colleague Chris Barber on trial for organizing the single largest human rights demonstration, I think, in my generation in Ottawa. And all she did was take the protest to the government in the nation's public square. She's not accused of violence. She's accused of annoying the government. Mischief, which is what they charge you with when they're like, this lady's annoying in public. Um, he didn't make mention of that, didn't make mention of the infringement of our ability to travel, which is uh, a charter right here in Canada. It's a mobility right. Uh, our infringement on our rights to gather, to worship, to um, assemble under COVID, the persecution of pastors during COVID, something I took a human rights complaint to Geneva uh, to raise awareness of the issue of uh, the government crackdown on religious freedom here in Canada. I mean, it's something that we see in China and these people can denounce it over there. But when it's happening here at the hands of Jason Kenney or Doug Ford, nobody seemed to care. Uh, and it's not even a, a thing that he's even considering uh, talking about here. So uh, anyway, just another reason the UN is useless. Okay, uh, Olivia whispers in my ear that I have forgotten to hit an ad break, so let's do that. Do you wanna start feeling like your pre-COVID self again? You're not alone. The wellness company's Spike Support Formula is an all natural supplement to help people do just that. It was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from COVID and the you know what. Go to twc.health slash rebel today.
I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. After years, I'm finally coming to Canada. I'm a practicing internist and cardiologist. I've trained in epidemiology. The FDA wanted to block the Pfizer dossier for 55 years. 50% of the lives at that time could have been saved. We were at about 250,000 deaths. Red Deer, Thursday, November 9th. Get tickets at canadiansfortruth.ca. See you Thursday, November 9th. Hey, Ben Shapiro here. This November, the Wilberforce Project is bringing me to Canada. If you want to fight the woke machine destroying families, join me in Calgary for my talk, hosted by the Wilberforce Project. Go to benshapirolive.ca for info and tickets. Come on out November 25th. It's all aboard the Freedom Train in Niagara-on-the-Lake. You can check Rebel News for updates and also the Freedom Passport site. Tamara Leach, who led the Truckers' Convoy, will be sharing the stage with some of the finest international recording artists, like the Chops Horns from New York City, who's played with Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, and many more. Plus, New World Sun, just off a European tour, and the legendary R&B master, Leroy Emanuel. Get on the Freedom Train with Tamara Leach. Saturday, November 25th at Niagara-on-the-Lake Central Community Center, 680 York Road. Get your tickets today at freedompassport.ca. The Freedom Train is coming. Know your rights. Know your freedoms. Unlike many of you, I've seen Tamara Leach perform in person, and she's great. She's great. I think it was her husband and uh, somebody else. They were playing at the Whistle Stop which was perfect. That's the uh, diner that led the restaurant rebellion here in Alberta. Chris Scott, uh, the owner there, was arrested for opening his business in defiance of the lockdown. And ultimately, it was a white-knuckle ride until such time as the provincial government seized control of his property, including the gas station. And it became a site of protest, and it continues to be the site of protest. Um, and I was at sort of a an event there, and Tamara was playing, and she's wonderful. So if you are in the area and you have a chance to see her, do do it, it's surprising. Like this this little woman who led this uprising, the blue collar revolt in Canada. It, she's so talented. It's just so much packed in that little package. Um, anyways, let's move ahead. Let's go to what happened last night on the streets of Toronto. I should tell you that while uh, Efron Monsanto is our head of video, the Sheila of the video, um, he has become one of the most reliable and Johnny on the spot journalists when it comes to covering these pro Hamas protests that are breaking out on the streets of Toronto, his work that he gets just by being there, let this be a lesson to the people who don't leave their offices. Yes, I know I'm, I'm currently chained to mine and that's why I'm doing the live stream alone today, but um, I'm, I'm reliably informed that Toronto is teeming with mainstream media journalists. They are all over the place, especially downtown. But they don't leave their offices to cover these protests, much the same way the journalists in Toronto didn't leave their offices to cover the Freedom Convoy. They just already had their like thing cooked up in their head, and that's what they were going with. And if they dared speak to those people, it might fracture their narrative and their worldview. So best to just leave it alone. Well, same thing, I think, is what's happening with these pro-Hamas, pro-Gaza rallies in Toronto. Um, so let's show some video from last night from Efron. The first one is a large number of Toronto public order police at the emergency pro Hamas rally in front of the Israeli consulate. Um, several major intersections were blocked off as he was there. You know, it's just nice to see the um, public order uh, unit show up to something other than a church or a, an illegal barbecue restaurant. Let's take a watch. You know, hide your grandmas and your disabled people. The mounted horses are there. 
Um, although I think they're probably being trotted out for a good reason this time. Now, luckily, nothing broke out yesterday, but um, it could um, because uh, these are people who are taking the side of the folks who burned Israeli families alive in their cars. Uh, so would they cause violence on Toronto streets? I don't know. Better safe than sorry, I guess. And for once, the horses are out for a good reason. Uh, let's go ahead to Efron's next video. There is only one solution. Intifada. Revolution. Uh, that's the pro-Hamas crowd in Toronto calling for violence to erase Israel on the streets of Toronto. That's frightening. Uh, for those of you who don't know what intifada means, it's a word to describe a violent uprising. And so we're hearing these chants on the streets of Toronto. It looks like there's like a thousand people there. And you have to consider that the people who don't go to the protest, but also hold these same values, I think it's probably a multiplier of 10. That's probably just my convoy experience of people who went to the convoy versus the people who supported the convoy from home. Uh, morally and politically and not just with money i think it's probably a tenfold multiplier so and that was a rally put together on very short notice like we heard about it as efron was leaving the office and instead of going home he went straight there and they're in front of the israeli consulate promising an intifada revolution against the israelis uh, i don't know uh, let's go to Efron's next video. Again, Efron, premier reporter on this issue, and he is not primarily a reporter. So what does that tell you about the mainstream media? Uh, he says the speaker at the Toronto emergency pro-Palestine protest justifies Hamas terror attacks against Israelis, and the crowd agrees with him. Uh, before we roll this, I heard this firsthand uh, in Edmonton, where they said, you know what, it's basically fine to uh, go after Israeli civilians because there's no such thing as an Israeli civilian. They're all occupiers and the majority of them are either active IDF or reservist IDF. So who cares about them? Even if that were your argument, what about the babies? What about the children? What about the elderly? Even if that, even if that very flawed, ridiculous argument held water, what about the kidnapping of the girls? the burning of the families what about them anyways let's uh let's listen to this video from Efron. about enough of that so they claim that the wave of terror kidnappings rapes beheadings burnings uh killing of civilians as they try to flee um that that's completely justified it's a human right they say they have a human right to do this again i heard this in edmonton this is the chant that justifies all of this is it's a human right to kill civilians it i that to me means that absolutely no israeli or no jew is safe anywhere 
uh, one last video from Efron, then we'll go to a video from uh, Linda Frum, Senator Linda Frum, conservative. Uh, the emergency protesters in front of the Toronto Israeli consulate protesting for Hamas chant, blame Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden. I don't know. I wouldn't chant too loudly at those guys. They're giving you guys, if you're a pro-Hamas, a bunch of money by which to funnel to terror groups. So just chill out. Seems like they're saying one thing out of the side, one side of their mouth and doing another with taxpayer money. But let's listen to um, these guys denounce Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden. Isn't that something? Um, let's uh, let's show Linda Fromm's video. Uh, oh, she might have deleted it. Um, yeah, it looks like she deleted it. It's too bad. Um, because uh, they were chanting off with their heads, according to Linda. Um, but the video has subsequently been deleted. I should tell you, actually, we discussed this in the morning meeting, and I know Abby's going to do a video about it. But I should tell you that our video coverage, unfortunately, uh, from on the ground, by the way, in Israel, where Avi Amini is right now, you can see all of his reports and support his uh, very important firsthand journalism from on the ground in Israel. It's at thetruthaboutthewar.com. But our journalism has to change slightly because we have had multiple conversations by conversations i mean emails from youtube wherein they don't respond back to you saying that our coverage is uh some of the b-roll that we use about the atrocities committed against israelis violates youtube's terms of service uh, because it apparently glorifies terrorism and what we're doing is exactly the opposite we're showing the reality of terrorism and this is censoring the news about the war it's what we're trying to do or what avi's trying to do is show this is what has been done to israel this is what is happening to israeli citizens and this is why Israel is responding in kind. But we can't at this point show some things about what has happened to Israeli civilians because YouTube is using this algorithm catch-all that says that we're glorifying terrorism and we're actually doing the opposite. We're showing the horrors of terrorism. And actually the only people this sort of censorship helps is the actual terrorists because their crimes get hidden by big tech censorship. So just stay tuned. Abby will do a video explaining that, but it is something that came up in our morning call this morning. And it's something that I feel like I should tell you um, because you won't see some of the bad things because YouTube won't let us show you. So, uh, so far though, Rumble hasn't done that to us. They seem to be a place of free speech and the free liberal exchange of ideas. So another reason for you to move away from the censorship platform of YouTube so you can get the full story over on Rumble. Um, and uh, I guess we don't have that video from Linda Fromm. So let's change lanes. Sorry, I'm sniffing in your ears, everybody. I have a bit of congestion. Uh, let's move on to the extras. I think I'm going to get through all of this without going late today. Uh, Prime Minister Justin Show. Uh, he's full. He's falling in the polls. He's acting like an idiot. He's uh, stepping all over himself all the time, to, making mistakes. Uh, trotted out a Nazi into the House of Commons and gave him the old hero's welcome. And so what is Justin Trudeau going to do? 
right after losing in court to Alberta last week, when we were able to have the no more pipelines bill C-69 tossed out as unconstitutional because who in their right mind would consider the intersection of sex and gender when building a pipeline? Like, as far as I know, gays and uh, women need jobs too. <laughs> like, whatever. But that was written into that law. It was tossed out as unconstitutional. The liberals are still going to pursue that law. They said they're just going to rewrite it so that it fits uh, within the Constitution. Maybe you should have done that the first time. Um, but anyways, Justin Trudeau is making a lot of mistakes. He's just lost a major uh, legal battle with Alberta. And so what's he going to do? Open up a big fight with us. I welcome it. Let's rumble. So, so uh, let's make it 2-0. and oh, Why don't we? So the Alberta government is floating the idea of leaving the Canadian pension plan, the Canada pension plan, CPP. So we want to do this ourselves. Okay. Um, and Justin Trudeau said it would cause undeniable harm. I oh, to who? To the rest of Canada? I don't want to say I'm all out of caring, but I'm getting there. Um, you mean the the people who won't let us build pipelines? Who uh, take and take and take from us and we don't get anything back? Um, just and let us do our own thing. Like if you, if Justin Trudeau is acknowledging that we are this giver to the system, then treat us like that. Instead, he treats us as a colony. Treat us as important as we are. Because if us pulling out of the pension plan will cause undeniable harm, doesn't that mean we're kind of important? Maybe quit trying to do bad things to us then. Anyway, let's read this. It's from Reuters. Uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said on Wednesday that the Alberta provincial government's plan to withdraw from the Canada pension plan would cause undeniable harm that he has asked officials to ensure that the CPP remains intact. What are you going to do? Make us stay in this uh, bad marriage of the CPP? We don't want to be here. Let us go. Anyway, let's keep going. Alberta's withdrawal could weaken the pensions of millions of seniors. Oh, it's our fault. We have to do this for everybody else. We're supposed to care about everybody else. Nobody cared about us. Well, and that's not true. I, the federal government didn't care about us. Um, but this is an acknowledgement that we are uh, important in confederation. It says Alberta's withdrawal could weaken the pensions of millions of seniors and hardworking people in Alberta and right across the country. The harm it would cause is undeniable. Okay, so what is the harm? You won't tell me the harm. What's the harm? You won't tell me what we're going to do. We're, we'll harm them. What is the tangible way we're going to do it? By making sure Albertans' pensions are protected and growing? By investing our own money for our own people? What's the harm? What? Give me the harm, please. Give me the number before you run to the media and call Alberta the bad guy. But anyways, bring it. Bring it. I would love to see Daniel Smith uh, deliver a major damaging blow to Justin Trudeau yet again. I hope we see him in court over this. I just, I'm not, as uh, Donald Trump once said, I'm not getting tired. I'm not quite tired of winning yet. I'm, I'm not. Let's keep winning. Um. One more. Uh, my one of my uh, favorite news subjects. I was going to say my favorite people, but that's definitely not true. <laughs> but she's my favorite news subject because I can be petty at AF, as the kids say. Um, Neely Kaplan Murth, uh, the hypochondriac TV doctor turned school board trustee who once did an interview wearing a mask, like a remote TV interview wearing a mask in her office because the COVID cooties, I guess, could come through the camera of her laptop, the webcam. I'm not sure how that worked. Uh, but anyways, she is, the reason she came on my radar is not that she was a hypochondriac. There are so many of those these days, right? Uh, but she became a school board trustee wherein she immediately sought to censor parents who were concerned about the gender ideology infusion into the classroom. 
And they wanted to know what their kids were being taught and why, and why kids were reading perverty books in school and why men in sequined ladies underpants were reading to kids as though that somehow increased childhood literacy rates. I would like to see the data on that also. But anyway, she centered parents. Uh, she had a petition, an online petition pulled down that parents had started after she censored them in person. So then she had that pulled down. So I said, you know what? They can't censor me. I'll start my own petition. I'm far away in Alberta. I don't care what this woman is doing in particular, but I care about parents having a voice in the education system. So I started a petition, then I delivered it to her. And that lady got off the rev limiter. <laughs> it slammed the door in my face. I burst out laughing. It was just, uh, it was a real something. Anyways, you can see all that at firenilly.com. Um, and the other day, she said... Uh, despite that she has probably boosted up the wazoo uh, that she had COVID again. So this person who is saying boosters work and blah, 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 she's got COVID again, apparently, even though she's like the biggest sanitizing mask and nut you'll ever come across. Uh, she has COVID again. And she posted about it the other day and she said that she had tested positive because I'm sure she tests every morning, like takes her vitamins and tests uh, while she's brewing her coffee, because that is a addictive feedback loop in and of itself. She says day six, COVID positive, still unwell, still isolating, can't see patients, can't attend a conference on anti-Semitism today in Ottawa. Advocacy for mitigation measures led to anti-Semitic harassment. No, it's not anti-Semitic harassment. It's because you're a mental case. Uh, and death threats because Jew hatred is so easy. No, people are not mad at her because she's Jewish. I think that is just uh, an easy crutch for her to lean on. They're mad at her because she's an anti-parent COVID hypochondriac who wants to pass along her hypochondria onto other people's children. But anyways, she's telling people she's symptomatic positive and i'm told by her that if you go out into the world like that you are a grandma killer you're carla homolka basically and um you should stay home because it is completely irresponsible and lo and behold she couldn't go to her anti-semitism conference because of it but Fast forward 24 hours. Who's this wild-eyed kooky lady? Wearing bright yellow. Like, it, look, I do my best to not get noticed in crowds sometimes when I'm like at an unfriendly event. I know to wear muted colors. I hide my black curly hair because that's an identifiable feature. And I can sort of look like everybody else's mom. Everybody's 40-something mom when I go to events. I don't wear my key identifying features of obnoxious pit vipers and plaid and curly black hair sticking out all over the place. But Nilly Kaplan-Mirth didn't even try to hide herself um, while she was breaking her own rules and potentially endangering the lives of thousands of grandparents. What an irresponsible woman. She's basically a serial killer right now. She's wearing bright yellow. <laughs> That's not how you fade into a crowd. Posting about it, how she's oot in a boot, as they say here in the North. And she's wearing her most identifying feature, pinwheel eyes and a mask. Nilly Kaplan Mirth, you irresponsible serial killer, basically. Anyways, if you want to send Nilly Kaplan Mirth a message, go to firenilly.com. Not just for her um, complete disregard for the lives of other people's grandparents, as we see here before us, but because she censored parents in person. And that won't stand. And I would love <laughs> to deliver that petition one more time once we get thousands of more names. Um, I would love, love, love to uh, buttonhole old Nilly Kaplan Mirth one more time so she can <laughs> scream at me. <laughs> While I try to stifle the giggles about how crazy she is. Anyway, one last thing to talk about uh, climate activist, Greta Thunberg. I think she's 20 or 21 at this point. Although last year, or not maybe it was earlier this year, she posted that she was done school. I'm like, you're 20. <laughs> like, and I don't think you've been in school since you were 15 or some baloney like that. Like, 
anyway, at least we don't have to call her, uh, as I frequently called her, a climate, a child actor, truant climate scold, uh, because she's just a washed up adult uh, child actor akin to Corey Feldman at this point. <clears throat> Although I don't think her life is going to turn out as well as his did. And that's that's saying something. Uh, Greta Thunberg was detained by police in London on Tuesday after she protested outside an oil and gas conference, preventing some delegates from attending. Okay, so she's already done more than uh, Tamara Leach, actually. But people will be saying she has a right to protest. And I firmly believe that. You just can't block people from entering uh, an event. So just I behave like the pastors who protest um, Drag Queen Story Hour, protest near the entrance. Even they are not allowed to do that in Calgary. And let people walk by. Don't obstruct anybody and speak your mind is what she should have done. But she didn't do that. She obstructed people. Look at her face, her smug little face. Um, and remember, <clears throat> she's a grown woman. I had a one-year-old when, <laughs> when I was her age, a mortgage and car. Um, but uh, also, parents, do not feed your children vegan diets. Look how stunted her growth is. She grew up a vegan. There's a reason she looks like a child. Um, let's keep going. She started staging weekly protests in front of the Swedish parliament in 2018. And she was detained by police removing protest, uh, from protests. She was detained by police or removed from protests in Sweden, Norway, and Germany. And in Germany, I think she protested at a coal mine and she made them carry her away and sort of giggled the whole way, um, because of the stunt. Greta Thunberg was wearing a badge with the slogan, oily money out, standing calmly as two police officers spoke to her. Uh, she was searched and put in the back of a police van. Look at her little frog face that she's making there. That's me when I'm trying to hide a giggle on air. Her little face. This is all for the cameras. Anyway. She says, the world is drowning in fossil fuels. I wish. You've seen the cost of gas. People all over the world are suffering and dying from the consequences of the climate crisis caused by these industries. No, people are living longer and better and more conveniently from the consequences of these industries, which is jobs and uh, affordable energy, although it could be more affordable, but the liberals are in the way of that and activists like Greta Thunberg. Uh, I think we have some chats. Yes. Ah, I see one. Kane and Mark gives me five bucks and says, I love you, Sheila. Well, thank you. Uh, appreciate that. Appreciate your five bucks. Uh, I hope you're doing well. Uh, Snowy Roof. Gives us five bucks and says, if daddy hadn't raided the CPP fund in the 80s, the rest of the country would have funds after Alberta pulled out theirs. Could be some truth to that. Uh, nobody's stopping the rest of the provinces from doing exactly what we're planning on doing. By the way, why is it okay for Quebec to do this? Quebec is literally doing this. But if Alberta does it, it's bad. If Quebec does it, it, oh, you know what? We're just respecting their distinct culture. Well, as an Albertan who travels this country quite frequently, I have never felt more distinct from the rest of the country than when I'm in it. I feel very normal. I'm part of the culture here in Alberta, but we are very different than the rest of the country. That there's nothing wrong with that. We were settled for different reasons. We have different industries. We have a different mindset here. Um, people come here for different reasons. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think we should protect it. Um, and it is perfectly fine. Quebec can do whatever the heck it wants um, because they're special. And I think it's time we exert our specialness 
here in Alberta. And I think allowing Alberta to exert its specialness might be the only thing that saves this confederation. Otherwise, we're just going to go or at least be grumbly forever, which I think we'll probably be anyway. Um, is that it? Is that the show? Did I survive? Did we all survive? Olivia, is that it? Okay, we... That, <laughs> we made it. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for bearing with me as I uh, hosted the show alone. Um, thanks to everybody who works behind the scenes in Toronto and across the country to make sure the show is there for you to watch or click on whenever you want to watch it. Um, it's a big job, and there are a lot of moving pieces, and I would not want to do their job. Thanks to everybody who tuned in and to the people who kicked in a few bucks to keep the show going. I appreciate your patience with me as I sort of just, like talk for an hour straight. I don't know how Ezra does it. I have no idea. Um, but uh, I, I think, it, is it Ezra back tomorrow or David Menzies? I don't know. The show, someone will be here. Could even be me. Who knows? Um, but uh, thanks for tuning in. And as David Menzies always says, stay safe. Because I want all of you in this room to know that you are not alone. The work of fighting hate, of fighting Holocaust denial is not yours alone. Every one of us must confront this challenge together. When we see and, or hear anti-Semitism, all Canadians, especially non-Jewish Canadians, need to stand up and step up. <laughs>